Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, running, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Friday. We are wrapping up the first week of free agency and, oh boy, it has been a doozy. Uh, We will also be uh, kicking off a mock draft here in a few minutes that we will talk about at the end of the show. Dennis, how has this free agency week struck you? You know, for there not being like a bunch of giant big names on the move some of the moves have been peculiar and some have been like oh i really dig that fit that that looks like it's going to be a good fit yeah i mean it's been uh, you know every a whole ton of people have gotten deals too i mean you know it's free agent week when people are actually talking about uh, drew Locke and gardner Minshew in an unironic way yeah, I mean, are they really talking unironic? Are they just accepting that, you know, when you get to a certain point, quarterbacks are what the quarterbacks are? Well, let's dive into some news, and quarterbacks will be the first uh, couple of things we talk about, but th- the first one has got to be, uh, while they haven't figured out a trade yet, Aaron Rodgers went on and uh, finally declared that after uh, – Going into the darkness, 90% convinced he was done playing football. He came out of the darkness 100% convinced that he was going to dominate the news media cycle for months as he's decided to uh, that he wants to play for the New York Jets. So apparently the Jets are working out a trade. That's been the rumor for a while, but Rogers seemingly can finally admitting that that's where he wants to go. Uh, the Jets also made a move and signed Alan Lazard, his former receiver from the Packers, to a four-year, $44 million deal. So, Dennis, provided that this actually uh, comes to fruition, do you like the fit with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? And what do you think about Lazard? So, much like Aaron Rodgers, I, too, want to go to the only place that will have me. Um so that's why I keep coming home. I, you know, he's put himself in a position where it's the Jets or it's probably nothing. And I don't know whether that's good or bad. Now, I love Garrett Wilson. I still think Elijah Moore is going to be really good. Brees Hall and Michael Carter are a nice running back tandem with Brees Hall being pretty near elite. Corey Davis, you know, he's probably on the outs now that they signed Lazard. Lazard is, you know, 
should be beneficial to Brees Hall. You know, I it, it just I mean he had his chance, and it, he's going into what his eighth year. I don't think we've got a Brandon Lloyd breakout coming. So I like Lazard, but you know it, he is who he is. He's a big blocking right. He I was talking to uh, Garrett last night on the BSN show, Dynasty Nerds BSN show. And he kind of reminds me of former Buckeye and Atlanta Falcon, Michael Jenkins. He's a big guy, 6'4". You know, he he sees the field. He's like Noah Brown or the Cowboys. He's out there because of what he does without the ball. And and I'm not talking about running great routes. So he's going to have a job, but he's going to be the fourth option behind Wilson Moore and Brees Hall. So I, I don't know how much I'm going to lean on him for fantasy. Yeah. Well, and I think the question is, is still Elijah Moore too. I, I loved Moore as a rookie last year. There was some weird energy. It seemed also the quarterback situation was a crap shoot. It seemed. Um, so I note, I just noticed that you you have the rookie draft set up as snake. Is it too late to fix it before we start? No, I'll fix it. Um, anyway, I just there were a few things that um, that I just don't know if we know for sure, but I like in general a top three of Wilson, Moore, and Lazard. I agree with you about Corey Davis, although I think, you know, given injuries and depth and rotation, they would probably, they might probably keep him. He would probably still end up being the wide receiver four, unless the other rumors about Rogers wish list and wanting them to get Randall Cobb and Odell Beckham Jr. are also true, in which case I think they'd almost have to release uh, Corey Davis. I didn't think, you know, I thought the Lazard signing was fine. I wouldn't have thought, you know, when you're looking at New York, uh, Jets going into the offseason receiver and tight end didn't seem to be a big need, but I guess here we are. Um, Rogers, I think, still there, you know, could end up for fantasy having some low end QB1 potential if everything breaks right there. Um, but he could also end up being a QB2, he could also flame out his, his kind of media persona. persona has become a little overbearing in the last few years. And that's being in green Bay. We've seen New York take down personalities like that. So do you have any concern about Rogers and kind of the New York fishbowl? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenge for him. You know, he's, he's good at manipulating the media, but he he's been in green Bay for 15 years or 14 years. And he's had the same, most of the same guys in the small market and he's dealing with them uh, on a personal level, and, and he's developed relationships with several of them. Now he's going to New York, and while I expect he'll get some of that same treatment, there's just so many more that I feel like it's a situation that he's gonna he, he's gonna get a lot more flack from the other side. So you know, I. Uh, I think he'll be fine, but especially because he's only going to be there a couple years. But I do expect some bumps in the road. 
But as Harvey Dent said, you either retire a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a sports media villain. Right. Uh, other quarterback news. I'm going to list off all the uh, the quarterback news that we've had between the last time we spoke, and then I'll let you hit up the ones that intrigue you. Uh, Baker Mayfield did a one-year deal to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Andy Dalton, a two-year deal to the Carolina Panthers. Jacoby Brissett, a one-year deal to the Washington Commanders. Taylor Heineke did, I believe it was a one-year deal as well, to the, Atlanta, uh, to the Atlanta Falcons. Marcus Mariota, a one-year deal to the Philadelphia Eagles. Gardner Minshew signed with the Indianapolis Colts. Kyle Allen agreed to terms with the Bills. P.J. Walker went to the Bears. Jameis Winston goes back to the Saints on a one-year deal. That was intriguing to me. Nick Mullins back to the Vikings on a one-year deal. And Drew Locke to the Seahawks while Cooper Rush re-upped with the Cowboys. So, Dennis, do any of those really uh, pique your interest for the NFL or for fantasy? You know, I, I'm a firm believer that Andy Dalton is there to mentor C.J. Stroud. I think Stroud is going to start from day one. I feel like he'll get the go. He'll be right there from the get-go uh, at the top of the pecking order. Dalton is a reliable veteran, you know, at this stage. I feel like if something happens, yeah, yeah. He's a serviceable player. He, if I'm looking for a backup quarterback, I like Dalton. Uh, he's somebody I want. He, you know, Jacoby Brissett played a little better than I had expected after the New Orleans or New Orleans um, Indianapolis Colts experience, where he had an opportunity that to, to, he was gifted the job and just didn't take over. So I like him. I don't. The challenge being that. Washington just doesn't have, you know, they're, they're not a very well-balanced team at this point, and we'll see what happens. You know, they, I, I like Terry McLaurin a lot. Jahan Dotson looked good last year when he was able to stay healthy. Um, I, Brian Robinson was, was serviceable, and, and I like Antonio Gibson, but I just don't know how they're going to be used. They've got a new uh, offensive coordinator. It, to me, it's, you know, with Sam Howell being a fifth-round pick, I feel like Rivera is looking for somebody to win that job that's not Sam Howell, um, but somebody that also can help develop Sam Howell. I'd like to see Howell get the job, but I'm, I, I feel like, you know, Brissett is that QB4 you want to have on your team that could end up being a starter. Minshew, you know, is he? It depends on what the Colts do at quarterback. If they take Richardson, I think Minshew starts. If they take Levis, Minshew could start. It's going to be a challenge. Um, Heineke, you know, it feels like the 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 Falcons have committed to um, Desmond Ritter. Ah, name escaped me for a second. Feels like he's going to go in as the starter. They're going to give him every chance uh, to keep the job. So I, I like Ritter. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens and see if maybe some of that QB class from last year has the chance to step up now that they're getting some opportunity and had it had the they had a year to sit. I don't know what's going to happen with Corral. He's probably um, well. He has to get traded. I'll be 
curious to see, you know, with signing Dalton and more than likely taking a QB at one, it would be nice to see if they would trade him to one of these teams where he might have a shot to go into the the milieu of of getting a shot at competing. I don't, you know, the rest of them, you know, they're all clearly backups. Jameis, I think he just went back because he's comfortable. He got a decent payday, and he he was like, well, if that's what's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I, I'm interested in Baker. Uh, you know, has a decent supporting cast there. Are we going to see the Baker we saw with the Rams, or are we going to see the Baker we saw the first couple weeks with Carolina? You know, one-year deal. He has a lot, a lot to prove there. I also think, you know, based on these moves – the winners to me would be Sam Howell and uh, Desmond Ritter because the teams, their teams this offseason seem to indicate that those guys were going to be given a chance to be the starting quarterback. But talk is one thing. Action is another. And I'm not saying we haven't seen Heineke or Jacoby Brissett start in places, and you could see them start again. But that isn't the kind of signing that would make you think that they uh, that they have less confidence in giving those guys a shot than what they've espoused. But there are you know there are plenty of questions. <laughs> I do part of me does wonder if Terry McLaurin's going to become the new Allen Robinson, the guy that we you know my kingdom for him to have a quarterback. But I guess we will see if Sam Howell can be that player. Uh, we had some big running back news. I'm going to take a couple of these individually. The first, uh, Ezekiel Elliott was released. Dennis, what do you think the market is going to be like for Ezekiel Elliott? I think it's going to be a tough market. He's what in his, he he's got seven years under his belt, does he? 2,200 yeah. touches. Um, he he looked a little bit. He's lacked explosiveness the last couple of years. I think the pounding's kind of. Um, taken its toll and he has ended up with, you know, goal line work. Tony Pollard has been the, the, the better back for the last couple of seasons. Uh, I think to me, I look at it and I'm like, he would be great in Buffalo. And I think he should chase a ring. They need a big back that can hammer it in that, you know, isn't going to get, be too worried about getting a lot of carries. Um, and I know he'll want to, but they're going to use James Cook in the passing game. They're going to use Naheem Hines as a change of pace. So let's let's let him go up there, let him get the short yardage, let him get the, the goal line touches and take a little bit of pressure off of Josh Allen. Um, I like it. I think he's... Uh, I think if he could get, if he landed there, he'd have a shot to win a title. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's, you know, Kansas City is a place that he could go and, you know, might be able to help mentor Pacheco. I don't know how much work he's going to get there. Uh, since I need to back up to Joe Mixon, you know, he, he can fill that three down roll substitute. He's a better blocker than Mixon. And so he might very, very well end up in the sort of uh, role that P. Ryan had at the end of the season, getting more high-volume touches. 
or high high leverage touches. <clears throat> One of the interesting things is uh, supposedly the Buccaneers have interest in him. Um, be curious to see if that goes anywhere. Um, three of yeah, that the... would make sense. My concern there is going to be the quarterback in the interior line. Yeah, well. The line is definitely a concern. They traded Shaq Mason. They cut their left tackle. I would not say their line was robust uh, last year. So I hope Baker's uh, getting in a lot of uh, Rocky-like jogging uh, this offseason. Uh, three of the bigger signings, uh, we had Miles Sanders, a four-year deal to go to the Panthers, David Montgomery, a three-year deal to go to your Lions, and Jamal Williams, a three-year deal lands with the Saints. How do you uh, rate those three signings? So I love the Jamal Williams signing. I think that's a beautiful fit for him. And depending on how long Kamara is suspended, which I think we fully expect him to get suspended, I think the opportunity is going to be there for him to have a very prominent role. I also love Miles Sanders going to Carolina. Now they gave him a four-year deal, which seems long, um, and they paid him pretty well. If he makes it to the end of it, then I think he's fulfilling sort of the promise he wasn't given in Philadelphia. He has an opportunity to go into Carolina and be a three down back. If he can stay on the field, you know, he's 215 pounds. He's a fair pass catcher. It isn't like he's a zero in in that aspect of the game. And he can run the ball like he had a great year rushing the ball last year he just kept getting sniped at the end zone by Hertz or Kenneth Gainwell I don't think Chuba Hubbard is going to be taking that that role from him so I I like the opportunity especially bringing in a young quarterback like CJ Stroud giving him a player that will let him you know somebody that's solid a veteran to be able to just get the job done, do the job right. Uh, I, I really like the um, the signing of Miles Sanders. And Montgomery, you know, I know he's got an RB4 year to his name, but potentially based on what we've seen from DeAndre Swift, Montgomery's going to be behind his best offensive line. They're going to have some explosive offensive players and – I think he may be able to have a career year. You know, he isn't doesn't have long speed. I do have some concern about let me make my last draft pick here. Um, I do have some concern about Montgomery kind of falling by the wayside a little bit. Uh, I think he is somebody that is going to you know, He's not going to provide the explosiveness that DeAndre Swift does, but he may very well, because of his steadiness, start to pull touches away from DeAndre Swift. And and to me, as a a, a guy who rosters Swift, uh, to me, that's a little troublesome. Yeah, I liked all three signings too, and I think all three could be decent for fantasy. I agree with you about Montgomery what we saw from Jamal Williams last year kind of as the pounder and the goal line guy with Swift out there making 
you know, receptions and being kind of a big play guy. I think they could be a good team. Montgomery has been a solid and durable producer during his time in Chicago. Jamal Williams gives great flexibility uh, for the Saints who, you know, I'm with you, Alvin Kamara, I think at least six, probably eight, you know, and they're going to want something uh, back there behind Derek Carr. And then Miles Sanders, the Panthers needed weapons. I saw there they brought in uh, DJ Chark for a conversation, see if that works out, but they get Sanders, who I think is a, is a good pass catcher. He's coming off a career year. He ran for 1,269 yards and 11 touchdowns last year with Philly. They need a big playmaker. He pairs with Chua Hubbard. They don't have a lot going in receiving right now. Um, you know, a good running back is a young quarterback's best friend. Uh, so they, they've done that. I also like they, they signed Hayden Hurst. Uh, gives them a weapon there at tight end. So uh, I think they're, they're putting some things together. Um, Carolina's depth chart definitely looks a lot better today than it did per se right this time last week when they flipped DJ Moore uh, for the number one overall pick. Yeah, they need they still need a bona fide number one wide receiver, and Chark, they don't Chark have a ton do it of for you. huh? Chark wouldn't do it for you. Well, no, Chark has some of the traits of one. I just don't think it, I, I think I it, was kidding. At the age he's at, I. I you know, he's what, 26, 27 now. He's had some injury. You know, he, he just hasn't, since 2019, in that great year, he just hasn't lived up to the billing. Can he? Sure, he might be able to do it again. But I'm not sure how, how much I'm going to be invested in Terrace Marshall, LaVisca Chenault, and Shai Smith. Uh, I, I feel like with the. I forgot they had LaVisca Chenault. Oh, my God. That with with the Panthers draft capital, they're not going to be in a position to get a, um, you know, uh, no. Quentin Johnston or or Jordan Addison. So they're looking. I did a mock draft a while back after they made the trade, and they were able to get uh, Zay Flowers in the second round, who's who's good, but it, he's a five ten hundred eighty pound wide receiver. I don't think that's you know necessarily the alpha wide receiver profile we're looking for. Um, you know, maybe they draft somebody later like A.T. Perry or Xavier Hutchinson or or uh, Cedric Tillman who will fill that big wide receiver role and provide some consistency. Um, but but you know we'll have to wait and see. There were a bunch of other running back moves. I'm going to list off several here, and then I will let you tell me which ones pique your interest. Uh, your friend Rashad Penny uh, signs with the Eagles, who also brought back Boston Scott. They still have Kenneth Gainwell. The Miami Dolphins brought back the Mod Squad, re-signing Jeff Wilson Jr., Raheem Moster, and Miles Gaston. And Salvin Ahmed. He, they already had Salvin Ahmed. Well, they had already signed him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Deonta Foreman and Travis Homer go to round out the Bears roster. The Broncos signed Samaje Pirine while the Bengals re-signed Travion Williams. James Robinson goes on a two-year deal worth up to $8 million to the Patriots. Chase Edmonds cut loose by the Broncos signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. An interesting one to me, Alexander Madison returns to the Vikings on a two-year deal. And Justice Hill re-signs with the Ravens. So which of those catch your eye? I love the Penny signing because, as you know, I am a Rashad Penny truther. Uh, I do. If he stays healthy, he could have a phenomenal year. We have seen him 
be so explosive and score so many points and put up big games and not just one here or there. Like he had a stretch of four or five where he was just so outstanding. If he can avoid getting dinged up behind that Philadelphia offensive line, you know, as good as Miles Sanders was last year, he could be better. He's bigger and he's faster. Um, He may even be a better pass catcher. Uh, So I, I do like Rashad Penny. He's somebody that, he could be a surprise RB1 this year and, and kind of fulfill that potential. I think people aren't going to be into it because they're they're very concerned about his health and his, his injury history. But I do love that one. Foreman, you know, he's going to be – I think the best we can hope is kind of he gets a consistent enough volume in the two-down role. Khalil Herbert – is going to split the two-down roll with him. But Herbert's not a big guy. He's, he's one of these 5'9", 205-pounders. But Herbert's so explosive. Foreman could be a, you know, a Jamal Williams type prior to last year where, you know, it's 700 yards and 12 or 13 touchdowns, um, given some of the explosion that that offense has behind Justin Fields. P. Ryan, I think that's interesting just because we don't know what the recovery process is going to look like when he gets back on the field for Javante Williams, Javante Williams. And we saw him get some run over top of um, Joe Mixon at the end of last year. So P Ryan might have some surprise upside, especially early in the season. Yeah. You know, said you said some people won't be into uh, Rashad Penny signing. I'm some people, um, I laughed. I have not been uh, that impressed with the Eagles offseason in general. I do. So you seem to think they, they signed Penny because they like him as their number one. I went the other way. I thought because of that being the signing that it seemed like maybe they were looking at Kenneth Gainwell getting a bigger role. So it's interesting. No two people see the Eagles the same. That's no. what I've learned today. Eagles are a Rorschach test. The one that piqued my interest, uh, as I mentioned, is Madison going back because there's been a lot of rumors that the uh, Vikings are trying to move Dalvin Cook. And if you were trying real hard to move Dalvin Cook and you thought there was a chance you could, signing Alexander Madison back to a two-year deal would make sense. And for Madison, who most of us have assumed wanted to test the market and see if there was a place where he could have a path to more touches, going back to the Vikings on a two-year deal that also makes me wonder if he thinks uh, there's going to be an opening there. So I, you know, not saying that's the whole reason, but it, it certainly made me curious. And then on the flip side of that, I don't understand what the dolphins are doing. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> they literally brought the, the entire band back together. And you know what? I don't think it was a great band. I think it was, you know, it was like Nickelback. A mediocre, yeah, they're, I actually kind of like Nickelback. I'm sorry. <laughs> but sure, we'll go with that. I When they signed Mostert, I thought, oh, well, that's the one they're bringing back. And then they signed Wilson. I was like, huh, interesting. And then the next day they saw, re-signed Gaskin. And I thought, all right, I, re- I guess I I don't understand what the uh, – what the plan is for Miami's running game, or they're a lot happier with their running game than any one of us who watched them. 
Yeah, I when they re-signed Wilson and, and um, Mostert, I was like, all right, you know, they. it's a platoon that knows the offense. They know what to do. You know, they literally could, wrote, you know, have one inactive every week and just rotate them, those two guys, and get the same production out of them. But then they brought Gaskin back, who they was like their RB four or five last year. And, you know, I don't know, maybe he plays enough special teams that that was worth it to them. You know, maybe he's, he impressed them with his knowledge of the, now I like Gaskin coming into the league. He came into the league with a, a lot of touches under his belt, um, but he just never lived up to any of the expectations I had. So if we go into the season with, with the four, that we've mentioned pretty much being their running back core, which by all indication could certainly be it. Although you don't know, Miami could, could pick somebody up in the draft. Which of them do you like best for fantasy? For me, I'm still leaning Jeff Wilson. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. I mean, the, I guess, do you think Wilson, because he, he just has, he, he'll stay healthier than Mostert? Wilson doesn't have. I think he's younger and a little bit better than I see. I think he's a little bit better than most. I think he may be a little better overall, but he's kind of like Wilson's kind of like David Montgomery versus Mostert. You know, he's more like Montgomery over Mostert. What's that? I'd take David Montgomery over Mostert too. Oh, so would I. But I'd take him over Wilson. But I just in play style, meaning he he lacks explosiveness. He's not super dynamic. Wilson is he, he's consistent and he's good in all facets of the game. Mostert he's consistent and he's good in all facets of the game, uh, and has more explosiveness. And I think that's what they like Mostert for is the opportunity that he might be able to make a big play. So I feel like it's you're it's flip a coin. They're gonna at the end of the season we'll look back and. They're going to probably, it'll be like uh, Gordon and Williams during Williams' rookie season, where it's like literally split exactly down the middle, and you were just rolling the dice every game to see which one might it might be. Yeah. I mean, my biggest takeaway is I probably am not relying on the Miami rushing offense right now uh, for, for all my fantasy points. But if you had shares of Mostert and Wilson, which I do across many teams, still to me is like an RB five, four, 
flex option that you keep on the bench. They didn't lose all their value, which could have been the case this offseason. Like, ideally, I want one them as my RB5, not four. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of uh, passing moves here. Uh, first, I'm going to group together. The uh, the Patriots went and signed Juju Smith-Schuster to a three-year deal, and then um, in what was nominal surprise to me, they signed Mike Gusecki to a one-year deal, the tight end Mike Gusecki. At the same time, they lost Jacoby Myers, who had been their best wide receiver, who went and joined Josh McDaniels and Jimmy G., uh, with the Raiders in another move that didn't make a ton of sense to me. Also a three-year deal. So, Dennis, how do those uh, passing uh, rotations kind of shape up for you with fantasy? So the Juju move made sense. And then they brought in Gesicki, who's basically a bigger, faster Juju. You know, he, I think Juju might actually be a better blocker than Gesicki. Uh I think that Gesicki's going to move into that. You know, they're they're likely going back to twelve personnel. They're going to run Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki uh, with Ramondre Stevenson in the backfield and Juju. And who's going to be the other guy? Uh, is it going to be Thornton? Is it going to be Bourne? Um, well, let's hope it's DeAndre Hopkins. A move they just haven't made yet. Oh, uh, is you know is DeAndre is he really gonna go play with Bill Bill O'Brien again? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the one thing what? I, that would have been the best fit, and then you just reminded that they didn't City's get along at all. Kansas City's the best fit for Nuke, but not only but see with O'Brien as a Broncos fan, they're uh, O'Brien recruited um, Mike Gesicki to Penn State. Now, he left for Houston before Gesicki actually played, but he did coach him in the Senior Bowl while he was at Houston, and so he does have a relationship with Gesicki. So I feel like if they sign Gesicki with O'Brien as the offensive coordinator, that they have a plan, that O'Brien has – he wants to use him in a fashion, and it's not as a blocking tight end. Um, Juju, you know, he's he's a jaggy – he gets open enough, but you know I don't know what my expectations are of him from fantasy. Wide receiver three, maybe. I think that's probably uh, the the spot where I'm going to be thinking. You know, is he going to be top thirty, top thirty six? You know, they like Ramondre Stevenson, and Stevenson has played really, really well. Um, they brought in James Robinson, who has a good three down skill set much like Ramondre just after coming off the Achilles isn't quite the same runner he was when he was what a seventh round draft pick of Jacksonville yeah the biggest, I think he was undrafted the yeah the, that's right the biggest addition to New England is literally Bill O'Brien so can he get Mac Jones back on track Jones was so frustrated last year like he was calling his coaches out on the sideline and rightfully so, because I can't believe, you you know, some experiments you got to pull the plug on before the end of the season. And that was one of them. And what Belichick being stubborn, like he was, I don't know. Even with those coaches, they may have ended up doing better if they had, they have for the last couple of years, not really invested anything on the offensive side of the ball. And even the draft picks they've made like Tyquan Thornton, I know he was a second round pick, but almost everyone was looking at that. Like, 
are, what are you doing? Right. And we, you know, sometimes Bill has made people look stupid with the, what are you doing during the draft? That's totally panned out. This one did not. <clears throat> Jacoby Myers was a fine, you know, complimentary receiver. I think he'll be a fine complimentary receiver in Las Vegas. Although that's another team I have fundamentally no idea what they're doing. I did. I liked the Juju signing, but I still think the Patriots need probably a different number one receiver. And if they had a good number one, and then you have Gusecki, the one that probably gets hurt the most to me is Hunter Henry, who, you know, maybe slides to be a tight end three, kind of a bloom came off the rose a little bit last year. And I would say Gusecki is a much better bet if I was betting on a tight end to have a a premium offensive fantasy role. I still think he's probably slides to being a tight end too for me there. I agree with you hundred percent. Juju is in the wide receiver three range for me. Uh, the other team that was making moves that really needed to do something to their receiving core is the New York Giants. And they managed to apply uh, Darren Waller from the Las Vegas Raiders for a third round draft pick, which feels like something of a steal. Then they went out and signed Paris Campbell at wide receiver and brought back Darius Slayton, who joins a group that already includes Isaiah Hodgins, Wandale Robinson and the re-signed Sterling Shepard. So Dennis, what do you make of the weapons the Giants are assembling for Daniel Jones? Well, they have the deepest slot wide receiver core in the league with Wandale and He's Sterling. just going to go all slots. And and uh uh Slayton. Uh, no, not Slayton. Oh, Paris. No, Paris Gamble. Yeah. The deepest deepest slot receiver group in in the league. No, I I you know Paris Campbell has the size and speed to be an outside receiver. You know, he's six foot, 200 pounds. He's fast. It, it just, he's never put it together. And he, because of his ability to carry the ball, they, Indianapolis often wanted to use him as this offensive weapon. I, I don't know that, you know, maybe they move him and Slayton to the outside and they have them as, you know, one of them is the starter and one of them is the backup because Slayton's game is the deep game. It's it's run the nine route, get downfield, fast, contested catch. I feel like Waller, is, you know, much like Gesicki, Waller and Gesicki, you know, teams might be trying to do the Travis Kelsey thing with these tight ends and kind of make them the leading receivers on the team. They can, you know, uh, Bellinger was good as a rookie last year. So I could see them using Waller and Bellinger on the field at the same time. Then you've got Saquon Barkley. So maybe Waller ends up, you know, leading the team in targets from the tight end position and, and kind of dominating in the middle of the field and getting a little bit deeper than your traditional tight ends because he does have a little more speed. You know, he's got to stay healthy. Waller's had injuries the last couple of years. Stir, you know, between Shepard and Waller and uh, Paris Campbell, you know, they've signed an awful lot of injuries to that receiving group in New York. Which is ironic because that was a lot of their problem last year. <laughs> um, you know, Campbell had a better year than I remembered last year, was finally able to stay healthy. Um, you know, maybe he gets a little bit of a chance to shine there. I, I think 
uh, I liked the addition of Waller. Again, if he can stay on the field, you're right. The last couple of years have not been kind to him, but he had back-to-back 1,100-yard-plus seasons in 19 and 20, and this would definitely be an offense where there isn't a ton of wide receiver, you know, dominant wide receivers, so they could feature him in that way. Um, but another team, you know, they seem to get the – you know, they sure they added Paris Campbell and let go of Galladay, and they added a tight end. It makes me feel a little sad for Daniel Bellinger because I kind of liked what we were seeing out of him developing last year. But um, Waller's definitely going to block his path. But this, you know, like we talked about the Dolphins bringing back the entire group of running backs and giving me a moment of pause. The Giants running it back with with their entire wide receiver group. Uh, you know, making the the Campbell for Galladay switch. I have some questions, but I still think, I don't know how you feel, but I still think there's a chance they're going to get a receiver in the draft. Yeah. uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, on, on um, news close to my heart, uh, my guys, uh, the chargers re-signed Donald Parham. Yeah, I saw Parham went back, but it looks like they're also uh, circling around Dalton Schultz. uh, which I don't know how you feel, but I wonder what that would mean for Gerald Everett because it's hard to imagine they're keeping both Everett and Schultz. But I guess stranger things have happened. Maybe they're just going to run the two tight end set and or you know just forego the running back position after they trade Austin Eckler. You never know. Well, uh, you mentioned that we thought the Giants might go for a receiver in the draft. That is a perfect segue to uh, how we're going to wrap up today. We did a four-round rookie mock draft, uh, one quarterback setup, no special scoring uh, laid out there. So if you're joining us by video, you can see uh, the mock draft is up there uh, to take a look at. Uh, But Dennis, you know, with with it not being super flex, uh, hardly surprising. Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs go one, two. Do you suspect that that's what's going to happen in non super flex leagues this year? Yeah, I think that's probably the most likely thing to happen. Now, there are a lot of people who are starting to get uh, really high on Zach Charbonnet. Um, I, I think that it wouldn't surprise me if. Charbonnet moves up a couple picks from where he is in this draft at 107. I could see a, a running back needy team, you know, taking Charbonnet in the 104, 105 range over one or two of the top three receivers that are on the board. Gibbs is, is he, he feels fairly established, but there's definitely a tear break between Bijan and Gibbs. And the, the tear break between Gibbs and Charbonnet, and uh, a lot of people have Devin A. Chain up as their their RB three and four. Uh, I've been seeing the last couple of weeks, so it wouldn't surprise me if A. Chain moves up into that group a little more. Um, it's you know Ty J. Spears. I, I've seen. I was talking with Peter on Tuesday night on the the Dynasty Nerds Trade Talk Show. Um, Get in the Dynasty Nerds Discord Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock. Myself and Pete Bartowski, uh, Tuesday Trade Talk. Uh, you ask us trade questions and we tell you what we think. Um, there, there are a lot of people who have Spears as their RB3. Um, and so, you know, he, he 
weighed in at 204 at the combine, and then he ran a 447 and a 449 yesterday at his pro day. I didn't see if he weighed in again at his pro day because, you know, we've seen players kind of manipulate the process. They bulk up for the combine weigh-in, don't run the 40, and then they go to their pro day. Between the, the combine and the pro day, they then, you know, drop five, six, seven, eight pounds, and then they run faster at their pro day. So um, I, I, th- I think probably 90% of one quarterback drafts are going to go Robinson Gibbs. Yeah, and following that, uh, we got uh, JSN and then Addison and Quentin Johnson, three receivers in a row. Um, we did have an auto draft spot that took Bryce Young. I have a hard time believing that unless you were desperate for a quarterback, you're, a quarterback is going to go that high. I think you're right, probably a Charbonnet, a Tajay Spears. It seems like running backs are going to be a little bit of a bigger focus in this draft, wouldn't you suspect? I would, and I've seen uh, when we first started doing our mock drafts for Dynasty Nerds about three months ago, we were seeing either Young or Stroud going probably not 106, but at least one of them was going by about 108, 109. People were, you know, they hadn't dug into the running backs. They hadn't dug into the second tier of wide receivers at that point, it was very clearly established. It was Robinson, Gibbs, JSN, Addison, and Johnston were the top five. Uh, I think once we see sort of how the um, the free agency continues to shake out and then we see what the NFL draft does, could I see, like in, in our last, I think, two mock drafts that we've released at Dynasty Nerds, um, the one QB versions, the QBs all fell, didn't start getting taken until the second round. But based on what, you know, Carolina and Houston do to the rest of their teams, if they take Stroud and Bryce Young and they add significant weapons and fortify the offensive line, I I wouldn't be surprised to see quarterbacks sneak up into the back end or the back third of round one for quarterback needy teams. Yeah, so we saw him go there, and then we had three running backs in a row uh, with uh, Ben the Bear taking Charbonnet, uh, Big Skin 07 taking Tucker, and you taking Tajay Spears. Uh, what do you think of those three backs going in that spot? You know, I, I like Charbonnet. I'd have loved if he fell to me at 10, what was I, at eight, 109. would have been fantastic for me. So I, I think Charbonnet is a guy that has – he's got the size and, and the the experience and the see. Um, Tucker, the, you, you can tell that the ADP hasn't quite caught up. Tucker has been dropping, and he's been dropping into the second round pretty consistently. I haven't dug too deep into his film yet. I'm looking forward to it. You know, last year he was he was regarded as one of the top running backs coming in that was going to be coming out uh, in this class. Going into last year's college season, I think a lot of people had him as the RB2 or RB3. You know, and he's starting to drop now down into the RB6-7 range. 
Ty J Spears is a riser. Um, he's good in all three phases. This draft has a lot of players like Tucker, like Spears, um, like uh, um, Chase Brown, Eric Gray, that are in that 5'9", range. And so it'll depend on where they go, what's it look like their path to touches are going to be. Uh, Spears looks like he's he's on the rise versus somebody like Chase Brown, who's who's falling since he uh, uh, had a really poor senior bowl. Uh, he he tested and measured pretty good at the combine, but you know, if looking at some of his tape, he seems a little bit disinterested in pass protection. And at five nine two oh five, you know, you might need to be good at that. So then we closed out the the first round with say Flowers, then CJ Stroud goes, then Jalen Hyatt. So on in this particular mock, Hyatt uh, wide receiver five, Flowers wide receiver four. Does that feel about right to you? Yeah, I think you know Hyatt is is probably the most curious. I've seen Josh Downs go a lot. He went. You took him at two hundred one. I've seen Downs and Flowers group together pretty closely. And Hyatt is probably the third wide receiver in that group. Um, but there's there's definitely concern that Hyatt never had to really face press coverage in college. He w- played in stacks a lot, um, was able to get off the line and express his speed without having to be head up with a, a cornerback. And so there are some concerns about that. I mean, he had a great year. He won the Bolitnikoff Trophy as the best wide receiver in college football. But there's definitely some concerns if he will be able to carry that over. He's six foot, 177 pounds. And that's kind of Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, and Jalen Hyatt are all these guys that are in that 5'10 to 6 foot, 175 to 185 pound range. Uh, could be a problem for them. I would probably have Hyatt as six, uh, my wide receiver six, with Flowers and Josh Downs being ahead of him. Yeah, and you mentioned Downs. I took him at 201. I was pretty excited that he fell there pairing uh, <clears throat> Bijan Robinson with Josh Downs. I thought that was pretty good. <clears throat> Continuing in the second round, we had a couple of tight ends sandwiched around Anthony Richardson. We had Dalton Kincaid, the first tight end off the board at 202. And then our friend John Hamlers took Anthony Richardson. Um, interesting selection there at 203. And then we had Michael Mayer go at 204. So how do those uh, three picks hit you? So I've seen Kincaid rise over Michael Mayer because he's a more dynamic receiver. Like if you think about like the Mike Gesicki and Hunter Henry pairing, that's Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer. You know, Mayer's a good all-around tight end. He isn't he doesn't have the explosiveness that um Kincaid has. Is he a good tight end? Yeah, he's probably the most fundamentally sound tight end in every phase of the game in this draft, and that's why he's been so highly regarded. But in fantasy, we're looking for, you, you know, it's like when when the Ravens drafted Hayden Hurst in the first and Mark Andrews in the third or second and fourth, whatever it was. You know, we're, we were all on our show saying, well, Mark Andrews is the guy that I want, not Hayden Hurst. And I think if these two guys were to go to the same team, I think we'd look at it the same way saying, 
you know, I want Kincaid because he's he's the guy that's not going to be tied up with blocking when he's on the field. He's out there to catch balls. I with the two quarterbacks going in the first round, I think it makes sense to take Richardson here. Uh, you, 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 for upside, and Richardson has more upside than any quarterback in the draft. Will he be able to deliver? That's going to be the real key. Um, ideally, he goes somewhere where he can develop. Excuse me, develop. But I feel like I feel like uh, Arizona is going to trade that one hundred and three, and we're going to see quarterbacks go one, two, three, four in this NFL draft. Would be interesting. The uh, rest of the second round shakes out. We saw Rashawn Johnson go at two hundred five, then Kayshawn Boutte at two hundred six. Then uh, Darnell Washington, the third tight end off the board, goes at 207. Then we ended with five running backs in a row. Tank Bigsby at 208. You took Achain at 209. Then Zach Evans, 210. Kendra Miller, 211. And Israel Abanaconda at 212. What do you think about how the second round wrapped up? Yeah, it was it was quite a an, an RB run. Now, if Bigsby had been there, I probably would have taken him over A-Chain. I do have concerns about A-Chain at um, 5'8 and 188 pounds or 185 pounds. Uh, but it was interesting. You know, I was listening to, to Rich and Matt and Garrett talk about running backs, uh, I think, on the Nerd Herd show this week. So, Jameer Gibbs is five foot nine and 199 pounds. And Devin A. Chain is 5'8 and a half and 188 pounds. So it's a half an inch and 11 pounds, that big a difference. Because I have been of the mind that, you know, A. Chain is going to struggle with volume because he's not that big. But yet we're all in on Gibbs, who's basically 10 pounds heavier and a half an inch taller. So I'm, I'm starting to kind of rethink that. Would I like him to be over 200 pounds? Yes, I would. Um, but I, I think that Devin A. Chain has an opportunity to be uh, a dynamic weapon. If he can get six or seven targets and eight or nine carries a game, he could he could comfortably be an RB2, I think, because of uh, the explosiveness and speed that he has. Zach Evans, I'm not super high on. You know, he lost... He lost the potential bell cow, bell cow role at TCU, and then he transferred to Ole Miss and wasn't able to secure the bell cow, bell cow role there. Kendra Miller, um, he, he's Miller and Evans both have decent size, but it, this is kind of where it starts to get a little bit underwhelming, and, and we're, we're kind of taking a look and see. Abanaconda. He's got good size, but really small hands. Um, I don't know how much wiggle he has. He's he's really good straight line. Doesn't catch a lot of passes, but he is super explosive. Butte in the middle of the round is a little more. You know, he's he either you love him or you don't, and he seems a little bit disinterested in the pre-draft process. I'm kind of I'm probably off Butte unless it's a team where I've got multiple draft picks in the first two rounds. If I've got four, maybe five draft picks in the first two rounds, I might take a shot on Butte, 
at the end of the second round, but I don't know that I'm going to be going for him mid-second round. It, it's starting to shape up like there might be, um, you know, a little bit of interest problem. And Roshan Johnson, he's a guy, 217 pounds, six foot tall. Um, I like him. He could end up being a, a two-down grinder, or he could be a receiving back because he's a great pass catcher too. Or he could find himself stumbling into a three-down role. Draft capital and landing spot are going to be really, really big for Roshan Johnson. I think that might impact Boutte too because he's a name that probably was a bigger name for people coming out at the end of the college season. And, you know, he didn't have a great combine. He hasn't had some other great um, things coming out. Just might be a more familiar name to people who are still, who are just getting into kind of draft research. Be curious to see where he goes. Cause I think that would, you know, not just team wise, but round wise. Uh, we're, uh, we're getting close to the hour mark, so I'm going to read off uh, the selections made in the third and fourth round, and then I'll let you tell me uh, what piques your interest. Uh, third round, Deuce Vaughn at one, wide receiver Rache Rice at two, Chase Brown running back at three, Will Levis, uh, fourth quarterback off the board, goes at four, Luke Musgrave at five, Kenny McIntosh at six, Marvin Mims, the receiver at seven, Hendon Hooker, another quarterback at eight, Cedric Tillman, receiver at nine, Eric Gray running back at 10, Nathaniel Dell, receiver at 11, and Cameron Latow, the tight end at 12. Then the fourth round, I took Sam Laporte, a tight end at one. Jake Hayner, the quarterback, goes at two. Ronnie Bell, receiver at three. Dwayne McBride at four. Tanner McKee, another quarterback at five. Zach Kuntz, a tight end at six. Malik Cunningham, another quarterback at seven. Evan Hall, the running back at eight. You get A.T. Perry at nine. That was a player I actually considered at uh, 401. Xavier Hutchison, uh, receiver at 10. Will Mallory, a tight end at 11. And then God bless the computer system that takes kicker Alex Quavedo uh, at 412. Uh, so later rounds, sometimes a little, you know, you can find diamonds in the rough or you can just find rough. So what diamonds are you potentially seeing out there? So I, I like R Rashi Rice a lot. Um Coming out of Houston, good size, six foot, 200 pounds, or six foot and a half inch, 200, 205 pounds. Uh, his landing spot will be big. I think he's the type of player that you draft and you put on your taxi squad. And then season two is where he starts to rise up. Um, Marvin Mims is a guy that I've been warming up to. He just, he's fast. He's like the, the second tier uh, of wide receivers in that. 5'11", 177 pounds, not a big guy, really good speed. Uh, I, I really like him. And Cedric Tillman, I, I know it's my pick. Um, I would have taken Hendon Hooker there, but I got sniped on Hooker. And But I think t when I look at the Tennessee wide receivers, Hyatt and Tillman, I'm probably going to have substantially more Tillman just because of the cost than I do Hyatt because I think Tillman has the size to be able to battle with cornerbacks. He's 6'3", 215. He'll be able to handle, I think, that transition to the more physical play to the NFL. So I like that. Eric Gray at 210, uh, to me, was a great pick. Uh, I like Eric Gray a lot. Uh, if I didn't go Tillman, I would have went Gray there. Sam Laporta. Now, 
I'm kind of moving into this phase of my dynasty career where I'm not really drafting tight ends in the rookie drafts. Like let other people draft tight ends. I'll trade for them when I fit, when they figure out if they're going to be any good in the NFL. But I do like Sam Laporta, you know, he's coming out of Iowa. He's got that pedigree like Kittle and Hawkinson and, and Fant. Um, So there's a lot of guys that have come out of that, that tight end program. I would have taken Stetson Bennett over all the quarterbacks in the fourth round. Uh, I'm kind of warming up to him. I think he he's got moxie. And as much as it kills me to say it because I'm an Ohio State fan and they beat us, <clears throat> I think Bennett has the potential to be a little more than just a career backup in the NFL. He's somebody that could go somewhere, start out as the third quarterback, be ready in a year, and – something happens, step in and play pretty well. Evan Hall is another guy I like in the fourth round. Sniped from me again. Um, I would have taken Hull over uh, A.T. Perry a, a lot of times. Maybe it's 50-50 between the two of them. I do like A.T. Perry, 6'3 and a half, 215 pounds out of Wake Forest. The issue with Perry is that he sometimes can make m- – Extremely difficult catches look really easy, and extremely easy catches look difficult. Uh, he's got to work that out of his system. But uh, I do like probably Hull and Hooker were the two guys that I was most bummed I didn't get. Which right in front of you both times. <laughs> you needed to be position six, I guess, or eight. Instead of where you were, well, I feel like there's a there's a a tear break, and so I I've been trying to draft after that to see how it falls, you know. And now we're adding fourth rounds. We just in in our dynasty nerds rookie mocks that we published, the last one we did post combine was the first one we did round three, and I feel like they're the guys in round three are starting to fall into place. You know, the order is going to change, but it's starting to fall into place once we get past. Um, free agency and it's really pretty much dead then we can kind of what had a fourth round this is the first four round mock that i've done and so i, I want to start to see like where these guys going because i i've got a lot of fourth round picks well it will be interesting so that uh that does it for our uh mock draft uh, for this episode. Uh, Dennis and I will be back on Monday. We are starting a wide receiver week. We will on Monday and Friday be going through our top 36 dynasty wide receivers pre-draft. We will be doing 36 to 13 on Monday and then the top 12 on Friday. And we'll see what other uh, exciting news comes out between now and then. But Dennis, uh, if the people are uh, just jonesing for another fix uh, while they're waiting for free agency news to pick up again, what can they do this weekend? So what they should do is every time they open their phone or their computer to check and see if Aaron Rodgers has been traded yet, (laughs) they should ask a friend to like and follow and subscribe to our podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Download, listen. I prefer, I keep saying, or don't, but you know, I'd really like you to listen to us. I think we're kind of funny sometimes. I think we give great information, Um, but give us a rate and review, tweet us out, share us with your friends. 
Look, we give enough opinions that you can agree with one of us and disagree with the other ones, and your league mates will be be like, oh, well, I like what Matt's saying, and you'll be like, oh, I like what Dennis is saying, and you don't have to share that with each other. There's still plenty of information for you to get your advantage. I mean, Dennis has been more successful than me the last two years in fantasy, so you never know if I'll be able to turn it around. So way, way, not, but. way to foretell my fall. <laughs> Well, that'll do it for us uh, this week. We will look at uh, Dynasty receivers next week. I can't wait. I probably will make some adjustments off my initial pass now that we've gone through a little bit of this free agency, but excited to talk wide receivers. Until then, have a wonderful, 